Okay, now we're rolling. Yeah, we're good. Rock yeah. and roll. We've, we, we're uh, kind of technologically challenged. I don't know if I said that word right or not, but anyways. We, we just won't make you spell it. Well, I okay, so here's my question to you, and because I was going to give you guys an introduction, um, Jake Bush, this is our first time meeting. It is. Public land specialist. <laughs> if you want to say that, yeah. AJ showed me, uh, that was... Two years ago, maybe, when I was staying at your house. When you were homeless. Yeah. In no, I'm, Ohio. I'm pretty consistently homeless. And honestly, um, I have been around homeless people for the last three months of my life, like, heavily. Is this rare for you to see two other guys with full sets of teeth? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but, like, uh, I, I get why they do it. Like... Why they're I, homeless? I'm almost gonna yeah I'm almost gonna miss them. It's weird, dude. What I I have so many stories. Listen. From, <laughs> so anyways, <laughs> we're just, we're just gonna let you roll with that. We're getting sidetracked. So I was at AJ's house when yeah. yes I was homeless and he showed me one of your videos. I think it was the biggest buck you'd ever killed. It was um was it Dad's buck? It, it wasn't the, Dad's buck. It was the year before the 186. When, yeah, at like uh oh you. Uh, it was like second day season, first day season. Yep. Yeah, yeah, second. Yeah, day. yeah. It was that video. Okay, but I, th- I think I went on my own and maybe watched Dad's Buck episode. But <clears throat> I don't. I remember watching the episodes and be like, th- "This is it." Like I, I, I felt instantly it kind of connected to your, like your passion, and I was like instantly a fan. Yeah, that's great, <clears throat> man. Appreciate. Here's that. my next thing about hard words to pronounce. I've never said your last name before. Oh, this is going to be hilarious. Well, what do you think it is? I'd have to really study it and look Mm-mm. at it and try to pronounce don't it. Don't pick up your phone. Dude, don't I, cheat. I don't have a clue. It starts with a K. I know what. And it's Polish. I thought it was Russian. No, nah, it's just like Smith, but it's Kazmerzak. Kazmerzak. There you go. Okay. That's not what it looks like. It's not what it looks like at <laughs> no, all. Not even close. <laughs> That's way easier to say. Listen, my, my dad always gave me the cheat code. If you look at Kazmerzak when it's written and you take out, people are going to laugh at this, and you take out the I and you take out the C, then it's spelled phonetically correct. There's just two random letters. Phonetically. Letter. Yeah. That, oh. mean, that means it's spelled how it sounds. Ah, okay. Thank <laughs> this you. Is, this is going to be a long Word, day. Words are hard. So <clears throat> you and I became friends um, because I was hunting up here, and then I think you were on a public land hunt with maybe, uh, was it Caitlin Mouse maybe? And yeah. maybe I was talking to Chris. and Yeah. I, I was looking for a contact up here because, like, I don't like to go somewhere where I don't know anybody in case, you know, something happened, like I needed help or, like, got in trouble or whatever. Like, it's nice to have a friend. So, I was like, I don't know anybody up here at all. Mm-hmm. You know, they uh, they were talking about you and that you lived up here. So, I, that's kind of when we reached out. And I, I will say, like, I have I don't think that I've ever met a more, like, genuinely, like, positive outlook person in my whole life. And so that was my immediate gravitation to you is like, there's so much negativity in the world. You have like, you're shining a light and it's burning like hot. Good. And good. so that, that was my immediate gravitation to you was like, I could tell you were a super good dude and like a very, very positive person. Well, that, that's kind of the whole gist of why I do what I do and who I am is, is the fact that people take note of that and that the, the fact that people see that, that tells me that I'm, I'm on the right path. I'm making the right moves. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And, you know, this, this meeting is a prime example that I love meeting good people, connecting good people and bringing good people together. And then as, 
a byproduct of that, I become friends with those good people, yeah. you know? And we're also giving you a shout out. We're in your brand new coffee shop right now. <laughs> Give the plug. <laughs> so you're hosting us so, here. So we are, we are sitting in Jennings Java Coffee Roasters in uh, Columbus, Ohio. We, uh, I, I started the company back in 2016 with my business partner, Daniel. Um, we had a college professor who believed in bright young minds and started a program where you came to it with either an idea, an entrepreneurial idea, or a like tools to help someone. I came with the tools. I said, you know, I uh, I'm loud. I I'm I love relationships, communication, um, meeting people, social media side of stuff. Just absolutely fascinates me. Um, you know, the algorithm and the fact that you're never going to beat it. You're always playing catch up and and things like that, and trying to figure that out. And then I tell this story the same way every time. Daniel got up, and at the time he was. 19. I was 21. He was 19. And he got up and he spoke about coffee in a way that you just know people are born to do something. The way you, Jake, approach public land hunting and early season scouting and things like that, that's how Daniel talks about coffee. Lee, the way you approach door knocking and the suburban aspect of hunting and going out and finding it and, and things like that. That's the way Daniel talks about, talks about coffee. So once again, I like to gravitate to passionate people. And so him and I started doing business, moved to our old spot, 2019 COVID happened, had some setbacks, excuse me. We had two letters of intent out around this area that ended up falling through for X number of reasons. And we finally landed on this spot. Um, we currently have the back of house production area open as a grab and go coffee shop, grab and go bottle shop, if you will, cause we do bottled cold brew. And then where we're sitting at right now will be the cafe come late November, early December timeframe. Um, and yeah, it's, it's been a wild ride. There's been a lot going on this year. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to get out into the woods as much as I would like, but I'm still chasing as well, but yeah. Well, I appreciate you having us. The coffee's good and I need it. So I was going to um, say, I, I know what you're normally used to drinking. So I'm, I'm glad you like mine. <laughs> Waffle house coffee. <laughs> really? Waffle house. Oh, yeah. Dude, oh. He's a, he's a big awful waffle and guy. Bob I'm Evans a, now. I'm Whoa. a Tim Bob Evans. I like Bob Evans. Well, you're now. a New Yorker. Yeah. You're yeah. you're a New York transplant. Of course, you love Tim Hortons. <laughs> My aunt is the exact same way. So, uh, diving into the 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 big purpose of you know this podcast and kind of why you know we've been talking about it for a while and and wanting to get together. Um, I've been wanting this. Yeah, you've for been wanting probably it a, a year and a half, two years yeah. because I see all the not to cut you off but i see all of the infighting that we as hunters do yeah and i firmly believe that what's going to be said in this podcast could help end quite a bit of that i, I think that's the hope you know but like realistically you know i i hope that this there is a takeaway that people that listen to this podcast you know will have that but i just know that like man social media can be such a dark place sometimes it's like people are so in their own set in stone of how they think that it's hard to, you know, I have amazing conversations with people on social media, but how many times have you ever gotten to a social media argument with someone? They're like, Oh, you know what? You are totally right, man. 
but I think <laughs> never, yeah, never, <laughs> never. Have. But usually, just, it, usually it resorts to name calling. Sure. Then the other person calls out the fact that that person was name calling. Yeah. And it ends there. And then you go into your significant other, babe. Can you believe he said yeah, this about I me? I can't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> but you know this open form discussion. Like I hope there's a lot of takeaways and that it, that it sinks into you know some some listeners here. But um, there's always been the you know, urban hunting stipulation or just stigmas rather. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought it would be good to, you know, sort of have some comparisons to like my experience on the, on the suburban side and your Jake, your experiences on the public side and kind of dive into like similarities, but also like common, you know, things that people gripe about on social media about each side, uh, kind of dig into those things. I know that AJ has a very like, good perspective on all of it because he knows both of us. And so he's kind of gotten a glimpse at both worlds. Yeah. Um, so you're like a good kind of middleman to, to sort of, you know, see both sides of the table here, but I'm just here to make sure that we don't go to punches. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and it's, it's fitting timing because I just killed, uh, the deer I call Kimbo. He's sitting on the table in front of us and, um, you know, the, which I knew the social media warriors, they are out thick, thick, and so I'm kind of in the wake of that, but you know, I, I knew that was going to be part of it. Um, I didn't know how many people were actually hunting this deer. Like I knew that he was, uh, known like pictures were being passed around on him of social media. I was lucky enough, fortunate enough that I knew about this deer a year ago when it seemed like nobody did. And so for a year, the past year, uh, basically since la- end of October or, or first part of November last year, I've been looking for this deer just making trips. I think I've made, uh, 10 or 11 scouting trips, you know, trying to find them. And it took me about eight months, seven, eight months to find them. Well, um, you had reached out to me and you thought someone had first maybe heard poached him. him. Yeah. Yeah. Just because of where you initially had contact with. Him. I'm, I'm blown away that this deer wasn't poached. Like the fact that he is what he is and survived what he was and the places he was at, it, it, that to me, like, speaks to the testament of that animal. Like, where he lived was brutal conditions. Like, brutal. Some of the stuff I witnessed over the last several months of being in this place, and he lived it every day, was, you know, crazy. And, and we just back home, like, we've had so many instances where a, a, a deer's picture gets out, and then all of a sudden, he disappears off the face of the earth. And then maybe you find out about it years later. So like when this deer this past summer started getting blown up, I was like, something's going to happen. Someone's going to kill him or even before the season even cut. Like that's where my head kind of goes. And that's just based on past experiences because, <clears throat> you know, there was a deer in, in Nashville, Tennessee years ago. Have y'all ever heard of like the Maserati monster or the, he's got a bunch of different names, but it was like a, he was, he was living out of a car dealership. Yeah. Now he, so you he lived a ways away, yeah. but he rutted there and he was on does there. And some lady posted on Facebook, she saw this giant, he was huge, 230, I think, but as a typical, mm-hmm. like in just some trash. And uh, some lady in like a dentist office who worked over there, like took a picture out of her back window and posted it. It was like, can you believe this deer I saw at work today? Went viral. The deer was dead in less than 24 hours. I think I think he was killed that night. Some dude from like two states away drove the end. As soon as he saw it, found out where it was, 
got in his car, drove, shot it at night with a rifle. And he drove it back to wherever the heck he was and tagged it over there. And he, his explanation was like, I just couldn't help myself. That, that was his only explanation. So he got busted. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No way. Yeah. It's like that. that is, unfortunately, that is a, the fate of a lot of suburban deer. Yeah. Like a lot because they are visible, especially in the summer months. Well, and of course, that's, that's the side that gets blown up on social media. And that's part of the reason why that, why I feel suburban hunting has that stigma of, you know, just degenerates do it and no one cares about the law and no, you know, people only see that that's what gets posted. And, you know, in a sense, it's just like mainstream news. What gets posted is going to be what causes the most conflict. Yeah. And people don't see those folks that are doing it the right way that are door knocking, asking permission, calling local PD, calling wildlife officers, double, triple, quadruple checking. Is this area okay to be in? Is it okay to hunt in? Things like that. That stuff always gets pushed by the wayside. Yeah. When this deer started getting blown up and this was when all the pictures started going around to him, I already had, I had already found him. I'd already knew about him. It was before the madness of, of people, you know, pictures going around of this deer. I had called the game wardens and I was like, Hey, I'm hunting this deer. This is where I'm hunting him. I've got a very good chance of taking this deer. I, I had thought opening day and he, that deer had way different plans, but you know, I went, I went to a church service, uh, that had a piece of property over there and I was trying to get permission from, I was the only white guy. They invited me to the service. They wanted me to meet the elders. It was an amazing experience. Like, Really and truly, like it was pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, like the amount of energy that was in the room. Well, was it yeah. one of the ones where everyone's standing up and dancing. singing and dancing? Yes, yeah, yeah like yeah. going nuts. And they invited me to the service because uh, they just wanted me to come, and then they wanted me to meet the elders. So I'm literally the only white guy in this whole church. And you you got invited to the religious cookout. I didn't. I didn't get invited to the barbecue. You didn't get invited. You no, didn't pass the test. No, <laughs> no I mean, I, with it was with a handful of them. Yeah, that that I got to know. But like, uh, you know, they they, I think what had just happened was someone like a month ago or two months ago, got cut on some barbed wire on their property and they got sued. And they were uh, like, we can't let anyone hunt here, even though they were like open to it. Yeah. Um. So, where what was it? I don't even know where I was even going with that. You were just talking about um, you had went to a church service. Maybe trying to get permission. Oh, you yeah, were, you okay, were talking yeah, to yeah, game yeah. So yeah, so I went to that service. God, I, come, I come out coffee. of that service, dude. My brain's fried. Yeah, <laughs> I come out of that service, and the security guy who I've been talking to at that church is like, "Hey, we just caught guys that were sticking trail cameras out. There's three of them, and they were sticking it out on like the state or city property uh, adjacent to the church. And so like there, I was aware like there were people that were you know." trying to get on this deer Mm -hmm. legally or not um and there's just a lot of way for you know these deer to die cars they get hung up on fences like old age fighting just disease normal deer stuff but um yeah i'm definitely going through the the brunt of you know oh that was easy that deer's tame blah 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 blah. just like the typical suburban feedback we've gotten Mm -hmm. and so again getting back to the point of the podcast that's kind of like I want to hear y'all's perspectives on some of that, but I also want to dive into like 
what this deer was doing, I'm very certain is probably similar to what a lot of your experiences are on public land. Yeah. Because I know that like, well, and I'll let you, I'll let you open up about that, but finding big deer on public land, what I'm assuming, because it's very similar to here is that you're, or what I do, you are wanting to find their sanctuary areas. And then you are wanting to find almost where the other hunters are just because you know where the pressure is. And these deer in my, in my experiences, whether it's on suburban environments or whether it's extremely rural or public, they are wanting to avoid those people. Yeah. And they, and they are masters at finding a way to avoid those people. They definitely are. And there's, in my opinion, what you're doing, what I'm doing is basically the same concept. We're, we're finding a deer to go after. We're learning all of the specific intricacies about that individual deer. And then we're trying to figure out how to avoid people and how to kill them before somebody else does. And with this deer, for example, I know that he transitioned on you four miles, right? I had him in front of me opening day. He left that night out of the back trail and he was gone for 10 days. Yeah. And I, I thought he was dead and he had gone 10, uh, four miles as the crow flies away. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what I deal with with my deer. So it's the exact same thing. So trying to anticipate that as well is another thing. But the big thing for me is that I, I think that we're playing the same game. It just gets portrayed differently and people have different views on it. But even the deer that I've killed that are bigger, it, I get the same thing. I get, it was high fence. They're right cheated and put corn out on public or, you know, there's always some sort of negativity, but the biggest thing is finding people that you can just spread that positivity to, which yeah. is, which is why we're here. So, but yeah, I, I mean, I think that what this deer did is exactly what I see. Um, the, the game I'm playing right now. So I'm after a, just a giant eight point and I'll show you photos after the podcast, but this buck I've known for a few years, he's eight or nine years old. He's the biggest he's ever been. And I had his core area pretty much dialed in, but I, I was waiting for this part of it all. So, so the, the thing about this deer is he's been very patternable over the last few years and I find this year I'm going to strike on him. So I pretty much have everything figured out while loggers go in there and log that whole ridge. I, I saw that. Yeah. So Literally, it was 12 hours between camera photos. It, yes. You, it, you had posted not, about not it. Not even. It was like four hours. So he, Shh, he you, had, you had the deer on camera 12 hours later, loggers come through. Not camera. even four hours. Really? <clears throat> yeah. So he had, so he was working to a cornfield, which is a private cornfield. I don't have access to it. I can't get access to it. So I would circle all the way around in and do my scouting, put my cameras out. I do like the way that I approach these deer and the thing that me and you are doing the same here is we're going after specific deer. Right. So we're not just, you're not just going out, you know, behind some house and trying to hunt a deer. And I'm not just going out in the woods and trying to find a mature buck. I have a specific deer I want to chase. Right. And I think that's why we're so similar too, because it's, it's the challenge of that. It is the challenge of that. Exactly. But, but yeah, this deer, I mean, it, it took me a long time to figure him out. I had him at 15 yards the last day of season, which was February. Oh, dude, Ohio was late last year. No, so, it's because it's normally Valentine's weekend. It was late. I yeah. know that. I mean, it's, it's it, it was for sure in February. Yeah, it's in February. I'm sitting in a stand. I was actually sleeping in the stand on the ground midday just so I didn't have to leave because it was a long drive. I didn't want to deal with people seeing me go in and out of there a lot. I'm just trying to avoid it. So. So yeah, I had him at 15 yards, no antlers on his head. He shut out the night before. No way. Yeah, I had him at 15 yards. He works a scrape. He walks by my camera and it was so cold out, the camera clicked and he spooked back to the base of the tree and he's feeding right underneath me. And right. I'm just like, man, you got to be kidding me. But I left that hunt that night knowing, hey, next Dude, I year. I cannot imagine. Oh yeah. I, I, I've had that happen to me one time. Yeah. 
and it the, the it was it was a deer I called Zeus. I had several years of history with him. Um, I was hunting, and uh, he had one antler on. He so he shed one antler. I was hunting, saw him had dropped and it just had had the one side. Yeah. And he was uh, at the time he's the biggest deer of my life. I but. just I just realized I think everyone has a similar not to the extent of February, but has a similar story because I had my number two two years ago had him uh on camera gorgeous deer um it was either a 12 12 or 13 pointer and he comes walking up and i'm looking and i think through fighting because i'm hunting in rural so it's rare that it would have been a a car or truck with where he was at but i think through fighting he ended up breaking off one side of it and then it's like you know, and there are some hunters that deal with that con- confliction of do I shoot him anyways and try to find this other antler, or do I just let him go and hope that he gets bigger next year? I don't know what I would do, to be honest with you. It's a tough call. Well, it, it's, well, a tough, it's a tough you call. You passed on Zeus, didn't you? Well, he had shed one antler, so I'm not going to shoot a deer that shed an antler. Okay, but if it was middle of the season, and he broke it. Yeah, I, I would. I, I almost care less about the rack and more about the specific deer, mm-hmm. even though the rack is kind of what makes that specific deer, mm-hmm. you know, the one you want to go after. It's the pursuit of that deer. I almost feel like I'd, I would be like, if it was November, he comes in and he'd broke off like a major portion of his rack. I don't think I'd pass that deer. I well, feel like I'd still take Jake, him. you talk about it all the time. You guys are playing chess with this, with essentially a grandmaster. These deer don't end up looking like this, looking like, you know, your 187 or dad's book, they don't get to that point by not, by, by being lackadaisical. They're, they're strategic in everything yeah. you do. So I, I see where you're coming from with that sense, but getting back to, yeah, getting back to th- your story. This eight on point. The, yeah. So, so he came in, shed both sides. Yeah. You had to sit there and watch him. <laughs> so yeah. And it, it tore me up, but so I get down out of the stand and I'm motivated for next year. And where we cross lines again here is what you brought up about this deer. You've been up here 10 or 11 times. So I'm playing that same game where I'm putting all my resources into that area. I'm going down there. It's basically all eggs in this basket. I don't care about anything else. I'm going to figure this out. I've got a bunch of people that I look up to that are always telling me like, Hey, you've got, you know, 10 or 12, one fifties that you could go kill. We'll go kill one. I'm like, well, I can. And you know, let's see what happens at the end of season, but I really want to chase this deer. Like it just, it means so much more than filling a tag to me. And I know that you feel the same way with these bucks. So the amount of time and resources that we're putting in, you're doing the exact same thing into these individual deer to try to just pattern them, try to figure out where they're at, try to relocate them when they shift on us. You know, there's pressure and people bumping them around. The other thing too, that you brought up with the whole poaching thing. Well, the area that I have killed a really big one in the past and the area this buck's in is very well known for poaching. I mean, I've personally seen multiple deer in this area with the heads chopped off and, and uh, gunshot wounds during bow season and, you know, 250 pound deer. And I'm like, well, that was a big buck for sure. And so the thing I'm dealing with right now is this deer was in that area and there's a soybean field down in the bottom and they always get poached out of those bean fields because it's easy to, somebody pulls up and spotlights on right. that deer hasn't showed up in 10 days. And I've been scouting around the adjacent areas like you do the same thing i'm basically this is his core area i know he wants to be here 
For some reason, he's not here, so I'm going to broadcast all my resources. So I've got trail cameras all over the place. I've been walking roads looking for tracks. I've been looking for fresh sign, doing the whole nine yards. I have no sign that this deer is alive right now. And so now what's going through my head is I need to figure out, do I continue to try to chase this deer? It's too late to find another giant. I'm just, I don't have time to go find another giant. So my hope is that that cornfield gets cut and he's just down there living on that cornfield and then he backs up into the public again, but he could be poached and out of my life. It's a game. It's a game you have to play, but it's, it weighs on you. You know, you can't help but have those thoughts creep in your head. Because when he went missing for those 10 days, well, I found him on day eight, but a long ways away. Those eight days, I was like, something happened. Yeah. Like someone, someone got him. And it, those, those thoughts can't help but creep into your head. Like he's already gone. I'm hunting something that's already, you know, been taken or isn't even alive anymore. I've been, I literally just <laughs> went through that. <clears throat> and I think I remembered what my, what my kind of, thinking process was was i again same with your deer like i knew where this deer wanted to be like where he was at in the summer and i was like is he still somewhere really close but just on white oaks and not moving hardly at all like is he just hunkered up in a little area and just staying completely hidden but still like under my nose and so when this deer went missing i was getting you know permission to run cameras anywhere I could around his area, anywhere, like anywhere that were made, made remote sense. Now pause just cause I'm going to tie in the effort piece later on in, in those eight to 10 days, how many doors do you think you knocked on? Now, mind you, you'd already knocked on doors leading up to the season. How many doors do you think you knocked on in that eight to 10 days just to get permission to put a camera up? So a lot of, a lot of the places that I was putting cameras up were places that I got in the summer. You already got, okay. I, dude, I was like, this deer is going to leave this area and I, I, I don't have history, like tons of history. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know where he's going to go. So I had already gotten spots 360 degrees, any direction that this deer could go half mile, mile, two miles, like yeah. everything. So well, like I said, I'll tie everything back in once once we get to that point. But how many doors do you think you knocked on in the summer trying to find this deer? This deer, just give me a roundabout. I don't know, man. Fifty, which 50? is fifty. Okay, and 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 that you got permission on, or no, 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 that I that I knocked on. Okay, but. uh there are deer in the past where it's been been significantly more than that. Okay, Jake, how many miles did you put in on public land trying to find your eight point? Uh, <laughs> do you do you stop counting at three hundred? Yeah. So last year it was twelve hundred, and this year, I mean, probably four or five hundred. Okay. Cool. All right. For, I'll, t- I'll for, tie everything back in but later. For me to drive up to knock on those doors, mm-hmm. it's a twenty hour round trip. Yeah. Right. So I, I've I've got I was doing the math. Just from getting A to B to get up here to door knock was over 200 hours driving. Yeah. But that's not... When I'm up here, I'm in a car all day as well, just driving around door knocking and whatnot. Yeah. But But go back to your eight to 10 days. The eight to 10 days, like I was like thinking, you know, maybe he's under my nose. And then uh, when I just... As many places as I got and as many, you know, trail cameras and places that made sense for him to be, I was like, all of a sudden it clicked in my head. I was like he's just not here. Like he's either dead or he's not here. And so that's when I went back to the drawing board 
And I had one picture of him last year that I knew where he was. It was in the rut and it was four miles away. And I was like, there's, this is, this is day, the first week of the season. I was like, mm-hmm. there's no way this deer went this far. I was like, but it's the last place that I haven't looked and drove over there. Pause. Cause this ties in something I learned from Jake when I first met him at um, the Mobile Hunter Roadshow in 2019, 2020. 2020. Yep. Um, you can't hunt what's not there. Correct. And so you finally realized he wasn't there. I realized he wasn't there. And I mean, I, I had eliminating areas is almost as valuable as finding him because like every spot you get that you or camera you put out that you know he's not there, it's it's telling you, okay, it's it's process of elimination. Cross it off the list. Yeah, I, right. It's the exact same process. So it's kind of just like navigating. Okay, then where would he be? He's not here. Where where could he be? And it has always never ceased to amaze me. Whether it's on public big woods or in a suburban environment, dude, I have no freaking clue what route this dang deer took to go from A to B when we found him four miles away on day eight. I have no idea. I mean, there's a very real possibility he found a north-south or a east-west road and just walked straight. It, I, I think sidewalks. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, railroads. Everyone's seen. I mean, everyone's seen that stuff happen. Yeah, you know? I, I think that what makes the most sense is he hopped on the on a railroad, took a ri- the river, like something. I, I don't know. But dude, you look at it on a map and you'd be like, "How the hell did that deer do that?" And how did he decide? And he did it quick. And how did he decide? Like, you know what? Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go this way. Well, that's what I want to know too. <clears throat> is did I, pr- did I pressure him, hunting him on that opening day? I had does blow at me in there on opening day, and I'm like, was that enough pressure where he was like, yeah, I'm just gonna go check out this other place. But now. that's a long. That's like I, I, I feel the same way. It's yeah, you know, day one I went in on an east wind to hunt my deer, and I had a doe blow at me, and I'm like, well, did I pressure him that much? But Man, I mean, to travel four miles in the city. I think it's just what he wanted to do. Yeah. He just had his mind made up. Yeah. Do you have any idea why that was the area he wanted to go to? I, I, I do. I do. So it was, uh, I think it was day eight of him being gone. It's either day seven or day eight of him, of him being gone. It was raining and it was, uh, you know, a park area. So there's there's trails you can walk on, but there's a lot, a lot of like CRP, just t- it's perfect to your habitat. Yeah, there's people on jogging trails and stuff like that. So I'm like walking jogging trails and I've got binoculars and stuff and I'm just like scanning all of this open CRP. Everyone's saying, man, look at this weird looking bird watcher. <laughs> I, well, I mean, that's what's crazy is like, you know, this. I, I, I think I was the only person besides my buddy Cody who was filming on planet Earth that knew that that deer was there because it's crazy how they, ha- they hide in plain sight. Like there's people all around. No one knew he was at this new place. I, w- I think that we were the only two people on this earth that knew that. And it's, dude, it was raining. We're sitting there looking. I see like a little buck coming through this brush. And then I just see just horns. And I'm like, I was like, holy shit, Cody. I was like, dude, it's him. It's him. It's him. And like, uh, you know, I felt a, hu- a huge amount of relief because I thought the deer was dead. Mm-hmm. I was like, it just like this early in the season, why would he go that far? And what I learned about this deer two things one he is a master like there's homeless camps everywhere a lot of these woods are riddled with homeless camps and like a deer would never want to live in a lot of these places he was a master at finding places where he could lay down bed down and not be not be bothered now when he's getting up he's seeing people on trails you know running by on trails and stuff but like 
when he was in his bed, he could lay there all day and never, ever, ever get bothered by man. Which, as someone that lives here, that's surprising because there is a lot more homeless around here than what people think. Tons. Yeah. And I didn't realize that until diving into it. You found out, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so then this other place he went to was um, another one of those places where like he was in this CRP and nobody ever went in there, ever. He would never, ever, ever get bothered there. So that was one thing was he was really good at finding these sort of sanctuary areas where he could be, he could be left alone. But two, I don't think that this deer liked other deer. Other, I don't. He was a loner. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that with a lot of big deer I've hunted that they are loners, mm-hmm. that they just don't like being around other bucks. And the place I was hunting him at, when he came in and was like, claimed that area as his, no other, I had little bucks showing up. I had all these other little bucks when he, he came in and sort of claimed that area. They all, they, none of them came back. He was the only buck in that place. Hmm. And it was, I think those other bucks just knew like, you know, not to mess with him. Probably shouldn't go toe to toe with him. <laughs> but where he went four miles away, there was like eight other does and maybe one little like four four pointer. And he was the only buck and he was just like being by himself. And I think that he, I mean, I think he was like 10 years old. So he knew these places like the back of his hand. And so I think that was just why he left was he was like, you know, whether it was like, oh, I'm getting a lo- little bit of pressure. I, th- I think that people were pushing into that that state ground that he was living on, mm-hmm. you know, trying to see him or get pictures or trying to slip ca- cameras in, you know, it just, I think he was maybe sensing some pressure that maybe played into it. And, but I think he was wanting to go anyways. And he yeah. just knew this other place where he's like, I don't get, ever get bothered here. I'm going to my other spot. Mm-hmm. And yeah, four, literally four miles as the crow flies. That's crazy. I, I couldn't believe it. Cause like in the rut, that's nothing. But that early, I was just like, you know something snapped but to to my point and, and you talking about your eight pointer like he could he could be i feel like when when you're looking for a deer you always kind of like you're casting a small net and then what net gets wider and wider and wider and wider yeah, yeah. cast a wide ass net because you know it's like i unless i didn't if i didn't have that one picture and detail of him being all that way i never would never would have ever seen him over there mm-hmm. ever yeah it makes a lot of sense and then you run into the access problem where Say you couldn't get access to that spot to hunt, right? Or four miles away, he was yeah. unhuntable. Nothing, Ex- no so options. Exactly. So he ended up working his way back. He came back. Really? So he came back. That is, I mean, that makes me feel better about. Yes. What I'm yeah, doing. I know. I know. I, I would. I would be willing to bet because I'm, uh, I'm hunting a newer spot. Uh, long story short, the the property that I hunt, um, all the bucks have disappeared. We've got corn across the road. I I know they're either across the road or across the creek uh, just because the creek has some thicker timber and some hillsides and stuff. So I'm going to a different spot. Well, I'm seeing sign everywhere, but the farmer has two big cornfields on private, unhuntable that you can't get to. And dude, they that's one thing I learned when I went to Nebraska for the first time. Every single person I talked to out there, they were like, yeah, they'll just bed in the corn. They like they have no problem. As long as they feel safe and stuff like that, I'd be willing to bet your eight points probably in there. Yeah. I mean, it, it, like Lee said, it's the biggest thing is solitude. Wherever that solitude's going to be in, a lot of times solitude's probably in a standing cornfield. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're just not going to get intruded on. But but the big thing there, man, is I, I think that if you were chasing the deer I'm after, you would have 
we'd basically have the same approach. We're gonna, I, I think it'd be tit for tat. I yeah, really do. It, we're going to start in a core area and then continue to spread out. And I'm basically at the point that you talked about where like what you're dealing with in the city is you can look at areas and you're like, okay, well, the next good chunk of ground that he's probably not getting messed with is four miles away or over here. And so you're going to cast immediately where the way that I'm looking at the hills, it's like, okay, well, he could just be one ridge over. And so I move a camera there and I'm like, you know, he could be here. I move a camera there. And then eventually I have to accept the same thing that you accepted where I need to just, that net needs to go from this dialed epicenter to a four mile, you know, and diameter. There, there's a rhyme to their reason. Yeah. You know, and it, it, and it's, it, that to me is the fun part is when you can like put those pieces of the puzzle together and be like, oh, that's why he was here. Like, that's what he's doing. And there is 100% a rhyme to their reason of, of kind of, you know, what, what they're doing and the reason they're doing it. <clears throat> so let me ask you this. So say that, say that this deer is not on the ground. We're not looking at a 215 inch buck on the table right now. What, and you have no sign of him being alive at this point. What does your process look like the rest of the year trying to find this deer? So dude, to be honest with you, I had literally accepted that I'm like, I'm just not going to kill this deer. I, I was like, May, my my mindset was like okay he left where he was summering at maybe he'll come back the very end of the year and maybe that's when i'll have my chance and i was like about to go home like i was i was literally me and my buddy cody we had we had some uh you know some cold snaps coming up and we were like you know let's just We'll give it to Thursday. Okay, well, you know, Thursday came. All right, we'll just give it to Sunday. We'll give it to, you know, this day. And uh, basically on Sunday, which I think was uh, maybe October 8th, and w- that was our, like, day of, like, either we go home because we know he's all this, you know, he's four miles away. There's nothing we can do. And there there was one property that that was a possibility and it was that the owner lived in North Carolina, 10 hours away. On Sunday, we were making the decision on to what to do on Monday. We were either going to drive the 10 hours to knock on this guy's door and then drive. And if we got it, drive the 10 hours back or now pause once again, tie everything in from my standpoint with the effort. You were going to drive 10 hours to talk to one guy fully accepted i was driving 10 hours to knock on one door to then drive 10 hours back to drive 10 hours back and the reason i was going to do that is i could have called the guy i had his phone number it's not the same no this was like a you get this spot you end this thing yeah and it's like you want to talk to that person face to face you want you want you don't want to get a phone call yeah Yeah. and so that's that's why i was like dude i driving 10 hours to me now is nothing i feel like it's like driving you know 30 going 30 down, minutes the road. down the road <laughs> now, I, as soon as we pack up here i'm driving 10 hours home well hell i mean jake how many states are you hunting in right now a lot uh four or five this year pretty yeah much you're in the exact map. same yeah. boat it's just a just a hop skip and a jump that's yep. easy yeah <laughs> so i'd kind of accepted that you know we were not gonna get on this deer yeah we had had our chance opening day and the, the funny thing is, is i literally climbed down to take a shit and that's why I didn't get a chance at that deer. Oh my God. We, he, so when he was in this little this block. This is a good story too. When he was in this block, 
he would be in there for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Mm-hmm. Like he would, he would be in there in the morning. He'd get up midday. He'd lay down. He'd get back up in the evening, and he'd usually, you know, take his exit trail or come hit this scrape. I was trying to hunt the edge because I knew where he was at, and like the last thing I want to do is just blow the area out. So I'm like, you have to treat the those bedrooms area so delicately. So I'm just like, I'm going to hunt the edge. I've got a scrape out here. He's he's coming to check that scrape, and so we like just stayed on the edge. So <clears throat> sometimes he'd check that scrape 12 o'clock, two o'clock. Like he, he checked it middle of the day. Is that a mock or was that? It was, it was a mock scrape that he took, took to. Okay. I'll show you some vid- trail cam videos. I have of him hitting it. Dude is gnarly. Like full velvet imagine, shedding, yeah. <laughs> bloody, just head in this trip. Dude, crazy stuff. <clears throat> so we're like, all right, well, we're going to hunt, play it safe, hunt the edge. And, uh, 10 o'clock hits. I'm like, man, I've got to take a deuce. Uh, it's, it's hit me bad. And I, but I was like, no, we get, we like, we got to push through. I was like, cause you know, he could be, he could come in and we know he's in here. He came in on his favorite trail. He didn't leave. Pushed to about one o'clock in the afternoon. I'm just like, dude, Cody, I can't do this anymore. Like what, we got one, we got, one of those curled over. Yeah. Yeah. Stand up <laughs> like, straight. Is, yep. yeah. It was bad. I was like, let's get down, run to the store. I was like, leave everything in the tree. We're coming right back. We'll be on 20 minutes. We left the camera, the bow, everything in the tree. Get down, drive to the store, go to the restroom, get back in the car. I check my camera. He's in there. Oh, my gosh. And <laughs> like you talk about full-fledged <laughs> panic. Uh-huh. So we, we are like hauling back to the, to the uh, spot. Our access is extremely sneaky. I have a little trail that uh, I had cleared leaves and twigs off of can get in it, the access is super short it's probably 20 yards 25 yards from when you enter the woods to get into our stand plenty of cover in between us i was like dude let's the wind's good i was like let's just slip in there and just just see what he's doing so we slip in and i'm like look and i'm like we can see him he's facing the other way we actually were able to slide up into the tree without him even we had tons of branches and stuff in the way he's he's probably 60 something yards away facing the other way we just like whoop, got up without him noticing and then he stood there for another five ten minutes and then went back to bed and then that we were like we had does around we we're like we're just gonna sit here and stay he gets up and uh took the back trail out at 7 10 p.m and that's when he didn't come back for that's 10 when days disappeared yeah but anyway so we were gonna give it to you know thursday and then sunday and on sunday i was like i'm either going to drive the 10 hours and knock on this guy's door in North Carolina. If we get the permission, I'll drive straight back. If we don't, I, I'll go home because there's nothing I can do right now. Mm-hmm. And we'll just let the cameras roll. We'll see what he does. And that Monday, um, he had he had been gone from the, the new place we found him for two days at that point. And so, I, I you know, I'm going back. I'm still convinced he's in there. I just hadn't found him because, like, it's CRP. I mean, I'm looking with my binos. It's like, you know, you're not going to be able to see all the deer. So I'm thinking he's still in there somewhere and then, uh, don't see him again. I get back in my car. I'm like, you know, fr- putting some more cameras out in some other places I've got. And I'm just sitting here being like, I guess we're basically going home. I check my phone. Boom. He's back home in the same place that he left where I had to take the deuce. And he went into that place, bedded down, didn't leave. So we knew he was still in there. Got up at 12 o'clock, was on his feet, moving around went back and bedded down and then we caught him on the back door on that same exit trail. Um, 
as he was going out and that's how we ended up getting that deer it was like we were planning on leaving and then just like by there was so much luck that went into this um we just happened to still be here when he was when he made that journey home so i mean to your point the deer you're hunting like dude he he could he could pop back up and be back home today yeah and then you'll be sitting in this confused place of like where the heck did he even go in in which case if that were to happen we'd see jake throw the headphones off yeah he'd be out take off not yeah it'd be the we understand it'd be the most irish (laughs) irish goodbye we've ever seen all right later guys yeah no we'd, we'd fully understand that's cool man yeah that's uh I mean, the game you played is awesome. It just is. And I know you said luck there, but it's a lot of forced luck. There was a lot of effort that went into that. And Well, and to to your point, isn't it crazy how effort and luck have a direct correlation? The more effort you put into things, the luckier you get. Yeah, I mean, it's it was maximum effort. There's nothing more that you could have done. I mean, you did everything you could and we're staring at that buck, yeah. which is which just it's, awesome. It's still pretty hard to believe, but... <clears throat> um, yeah, man, I just, I don't know. I feel extremely fortunate to have had a chance. And like the biggest thing too is like that I think people don't understand is that we get to do this every day. Like this, this isn't like a, and we're extremely fortunate and blessed to be able to do that. Like we get to literally dedicate every single day to doing something to try and take a step forward to put yourself in a position to take a target deer. Well, and you know, once again, tying everything in, you know, you guys have worked your asses off to get to this point where you're, you're blessed and you're fortunate to be able to do something like this, right? I, one of the most admirable things that I've ever seen, you left your home state, quit your job on a whim, Jake, and found a new spot, found a house here in Ohio, found a new job. And you, correct me if I'm wrong, you specifically sought out a job that would afford you the ability to oh, go yeah. chase. Yeah. 12 hour night shifts. Yeah. Just so I could. That's awesome. Yeah. Just so I had more days off. Yeah. And it's, you know, <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where, and I guess now we can kind of, if you guys are cool with it, we'll kind of tie it in. It's, you know, I wish, I wish we could have a quantifiable number. And I've mentioned this on other podcasts. I wish we could have a quantifiable number for effort, right? Whether it's out of 10 or out of 100, just for argument's sake, let's say it out of 10, right? And you do X amount of stuff, you knock on so many doors, you um, are walking so many miles on public land, um, and there's these different facets that take into it, and then it kicks out and it computes, you know, okay, well, uh, Lee's effort is kicking out a 9.2, or, you know, Jake's effort is kicking out a uh, 9.2, 9.3, 9.4. If we had an ability to see that, even though you guys are polar opposite hunting areas, I would be willing to bet that your effort output, effort input is within a tenth of each other's. Just knowing you, knowing you, being friends with both of you, outside perspective looking in, it's it's admirable to see how hard you guys go and it shows other people regardless of how you're hunting, obviously legal and ethically is top, but it shows that if you're putting in the effort, you can be successful and you can do this, you know? And it's just, it's really, really cool to see that aspect of it. Yeah. I mean, I remember you telling me a while ago that it's, uh, I guess, 
the way I appreciated that you said is like it's just a different form of energy. That's all it is. Yeah, that's all but it is. It, it's it's in, there's no way to measure energy like put into it. it. It's just not possible. And like I know internally that like even what we can show on a video or even try to put into words in this podcast does it not even close to how much justice of like how much personally that I've dedicated, like I've literally dedicated the last year of my life to this deer. Mm -hmm. Nothing else mattered. Almost to an extreme flaw. Like at the sacrifice of relationships and my family at home, like I've been, I have been in Ohio for three weeks because of this deer. My family is dying for me to get home. And that's like, you know, it, it, it comes at a detriment to so many other things to where it's really not healthy, if I'm being honest. Like, it's really not. Well, and that's something each individual, each individual has to look internally. You know, um, co- uh, what is it? Comparison is the thief of joy, right? Yeah. Each person has to look internally and say, what is it I want to do, right? Because there's plenty of times and... From a from a respect factor, there's plenty of times I'll try to compare what I'm doing hunting wise to what you're doing or what you're doing or you know I'll I'll see you out and you're like uh, put in you know 50 miles this weekend or in these two days and I'm like man I got to get out and I got to go do this but then I take a step back and I'm like I got a newborn baby at home I'm trying to build this coffee company I've got my day job still. And I've, and I'm still trying to hunt. And so I guess in that sense, you know, people have to decide what you want to do. You two have decided that you are going to dedicate your lives to chasing big deer. And in a sense, chasing big individual deer, not just a big deer. And, you know, that's what you guys have decided. But as a, as a sidebar conversation, did you see what he, uh, what Lee posted about what his girlfriend said? No, no. So, I didn't. so you and I understand, and and everyone that sees your photos and videos, they'll understand how big this. Oh yeah, is. yeah. I saw that one. What, yeah. yeah. Why don't yeah. you tell everyone what your girlfriend said? <laughs> I'd, I'd have to read the, read the screenshot, <laughs> dude. It, I, it, I, it would amaze you how many people loved that that Instagram story I posted. Oh, I was I was the dying the response laughing. I got was was uh kind of hilarious. People were just like. To set the stage for everyone listening, Lee sent a photo of this ginormous 215, 215-inch mm-hmm. deer to, to girlfriend. his girlfriend. And what happened? She said, what makes it big, though? Maybe. <laughs> she had to be trolling him. <laughs> no, right? no, no, no. She Swear. No idea. She said, what makes it big, though? Maybe the deer body is just big? I said, the antlers, Adrian. The antlers are big. She said, I know. I'm being for real, though. I'm actually asking. I said, the antlers make it big. There's lots of them. She said, oh, so it's not that the deer is big. Or wait, she said, oh, so it's not that big. It just has a lot of antlers. I said, it's both. (laughs) (laughs) Now, in that sense, if you are hunting and if you are someone that wants to either do this for a living or wants to, um, you know, do this as hard as possible, we're very blessed to find these women or these men that, you know, support our passion. And, and, and in a sense, they understand it, yeah. you know, because like you said, you haven't been home in three weeks. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll say, I'll kind of, you know, it's a sickness almost like kind of backtracking to, to like the detriment or just like the, 
the collateral damage, honestly, of, of what it, when you pursue these deer, like it just consumes you wholly. Uh, I will also say like my family understands, my girlfriend understands, and there was no greater feeling, a sense of peace, satisfaction, just like the why of being, being fulfilled when we saw that deer and got to just like respect him and spend time with him and just like know that just the sense of like that it it was our arrow like this this deer has has lived 10 years of his life he's probably stepped on heroin needles he's certainly stepped on crack pipes 100 percent. there have been people that have been trying to kill him he's found these sanctuary places he's avoided cars and trains and fences and in sickness and all this other stuff. He's he was he had a leg injury, so I'm sure he's been hit by a car. And it's like it was our arrow after all these years. This deer was probably I was probably twenty-two years old when this deer was born. And it was my arrow that finished him, and that's not to be taken lightly. So like one of my favorite things I do now when it happens with a deer like this is I literally turn the cameras off. And I sit with him for probably 15 minutes before we move him, before we do anything. I just, I did this in Kansas and I did it with this deer and I just like sit with the deer and just soak up and enjoy the moment. And it's almost like just appreciating the life of that deer. Mm -hmm. And like, to me, that is where all of it, all of the collateral damage or the effort, like everything becomes worth it. And you know, I, I was hunting a deer in, in Michigan where, dude, you, you talk about like quantifiable energy that I put into that deer. It was three years and it was a further drive. I think it was 13 hours and I, I don't even know how many, how many times I, I drove up there. Like, I, I don't even know mm-hmm. more, more than this one. And, um, that deer ended up getting taken by another hunter right next to one of my spots where I was going to hunt him, but he did it the right way and he did it legally. He did it ethically. And he was over the freaking moon excited about that deer. But I had all of this, these years and energy into that deer. And I took that as an opportunity to, to have hunters celebrating hunters. I drove up there. I saw the deer. It was a huge blessing to get to see him. And I congratulated him wholeheartedly. And I was genuinely like happy for him, but also, you know, deep down, you do have a sense of like, that sorrow, but, um, the fact that like that animal was, you know, his, the end of his life was because of someone who was doing it the right way. It meant a lot to him. Like that is a, is a win in the hunting community. But, you know, this deer, like pictures, you know, that, that come out of some of these suburban deer just paint a different picture. If from an outsider's perspective, looking in of like, oh, wow, where's the challenge and that. And it's like, the you have no idea like if if there wasn't a significant challenge i would not give a rat's ass to pursue these deer in any way shape or form and you held off on a monster deer last year two years ago last year two years ago two years ago because of the fact and this is where the the respect for the animal comes in the respect for woodsmanship the respect for other hunters and things like that come into play you were up here. You were crashing at my house. Actually, I think you were crashing at my house initially for this deer. Mm-hmm. And you went out and you started door knocking. You started talking to people. I had a mutual friend that that you got to meet. And uh, and he's like, 
yeah, you know, I mean, we feed him out back and I've got trail cams of him, but that, I mean, he's essentially become a pet and you made the ethical decision. I'm not going to, I I, I walked away. Yeah. 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 And once again, there's the, the legal deer was 240 inches, 240 something inches. Yeah. Like, and, and I, I had a spot to legally hunt that deer. There was a guy that was hunting next door. There was a bunch of people hunting that deer and that deer, he got shot. Uh, didn't get killed, and then eventually another hunter took him later in the year. But um, I made the decision to walk away from that, and and, and I the reason I say that is two hundred forty inch deer. Like yeah, right, dude, you walked away. No way. Like you, all you care about is the the you know horns and the pictures and stuff. And it's like no, I I literally had a picture, and I'll show you the rubs that were on this place from this deer. It's the biggest rubs I've ever seen in my life, and could have hunted that deer. And because of the situation and everything, I was like, you know what, I'm I'm gonna walk away. And, you know, in that sense, like, that's something I don't think, I, I don't think I can stress enough to, to those of you listening is I'm sitting with two of the most respectful and respectable hunters that I've ever come across. So we talk about that deer, um, that deer specifically with you, Lee, Jake, you and my buddy, Cody, yeah, it, yeah I mean, good... you guys <clears throat> essentially walk one ridge apart from each other. From what I hear, I mean, I I go to the gym with Cody half the time, yeah, and you guys essentially just have this mutual woodsmanship hunter respect that I'm not going to step over your toes. You don't step over mine. You know, Cody told me uh, he what he told me he was excited that he was walking a newer area for him and found a camera texted it to you yeah turns out it was one of your cameras (laughs) and then cody made the decision he was like you know what i'm gonna back out you're already in this area and i'm sure you've been in the exact same situation so for for those of you listening you know this isn't just a um this isn't just a dive in, make or break, do whatever you have to do um, to get these big deer down. There's still a respect factor. And, and I, morals. And, and morals, morals and ethics. And, you know, all of, I know for a fact, just because your guy, you guys in your videos, you, you talk about it. We all believe in God. We believe in a higher power. We, you know, and there is very, there's, I feel, absolutely a karmic aspect to chasing these big deer the right way. And, you know, I I give it I give it a week and a half when that corn gets taken off and you'll have that eight point on the ground. I hope, man. I hope you're right. <laughs> He's gonna be back. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'll be back. I think he will, man. But no, I mean I I completely agree with you guys. And I think that the thing get, that gets portrayed on social media a lot is that we're doing this to chase fame, right? In one way or the other. And that couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, otherwise you would have went and killed that 240. Or I would step on my buddy's toes and go kill a 180-inch deer that I know that he knows about. Yep. You know, it's, oh, he's chasing it. He, there's, I haven't got pictures. I haven't got so to see photos. Yeah, so there's a lot of things that we could do that are just not the right thing, and it would be doing it for the wrong reasons. And so, I don't know. I think that with social media, with everything else, things get portrayed or they look wrong a lot of times, but nobody actually sees the process or the... Your thought no, process, no one lived mentality. in your shoes. Exactly. No one walked in your shoes. And and so we shouldn't judge on that. Yeah. And that's that's where I'm at with this whole thing is I know you're getting a lot of heat for this deer on social media. I've actually 
had people comment on my own posts about your deer. <laughs> and I'm like, the guy is killing it. Like he is working his butt off to go out and, and get after these deer. And to be honest with you, I could not do what you do. Like I'm hunting a piece of public and there's one private landowner that's alongside of it that gives me a hard time every once in a while. Like he'll message me on Facebook and he'll, he's just always there. And I'm so against confrontation. I will make big giant loops to not have to deal with that guy. <laughs> yeah. But, but for you, like that's a part it's of your process, man. The everyday thing. Exactly. It is for you. And so like, I look at what you're doing. I have the utmost respect for it because there's no way that I could come to the city and knock on a bunch of doors and deal with, you know, some of the things that you're dealing with and even be in the chase at all. So it's just, it's just different, but the process is there. Nobody will ever fully understand that process besides you. And you know what? That's okay though. That That's fine. Yeah. And that, that is, I actually said this to my buddy Cody yesterday. I was like, man, I, I don't care like what's said, what's posted. I, I really don't because in my heart, I know what this chase was. You what, know what it took. I know what it was. It, it is what it is. I know what it was. And to me, I'm like, I have such a sense of peace that we earned this deer and the respect of this deer and, and, and respected this deer in the process. Like I am, I am at, so, I have such a peace of mind and I'm, I'm, my, my heart is at ease that like, I, I don't care. I really don't. Well, and you know, with what both of you are saying, both of you have gotten heat. We, we talked about it before we even started, you know, this podcast. Um, and you know, I, I feel like I'm a, I'm a motivational phrase buzzer essentially, but it, it gets used time and time again. Um, you will never be hated on by someone doing better than you. And I really like, Everything in my life leading up to this point, whether it's coffee industry, entrepreneurship, fitness, hunting, whatever, it has stood the test of time. You know, um, I'm comfortable in myself to know that both of you are far better deer hunters than what I am. But Jake, I've messaged you countless times getting your thoughts on area and public and tips and tricks to quiet up my mobile hunting setup. Lee, I've reached out to you a number of times and you've even gone as far as you were chasing a different deer and you were like, Hey, I know there's a big deer over here. Go talk to this landowner. Tell him I sent you and see if you can get permission there. That was when you and your, your brother were hunting. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. And, and I was trying to find a way to get my brother on his first buck and you essentially gave up one of your properties because you knew that my brother had been hunting for six years, chasing chasing bucks and, and hadn't got one yet. And so in that sense, to those of you listening, if someone is hating on you or someone is talking trash or whatever, take a step back, look at it and realize, one, they're projecting their own insecurities, but two, they're probably not doing what you want to be doing anyways, you know? And it just, you know, I applaud both of you for the thick skin that you guys have because, like I said, I like social media. I, I love the intricacies of it, but I also see all of the, I also see all of the hate and stuff like that that goes on. Um, and yeah, it's it, it's impressive it, that you guys are able to block it out and stuff like it, that. It's funny. Uh, well, two things. One, it's funny because like someone made a comment on one of the the posts and they were like, so you're telling me if you had a relative 
that lived over there and they had that deer coming through their property in their backyard, you're telling me you're not setting up a stand. <laughs> it's like, yeah, right. You know, yeah. everyone, if they had a, uh, access to a place on that deer, 100%. yeah, right. right. 100%. Right. Yeah, right. But the, the other thing too is like where I'm kind of on the opposite end of the table with you and social media, dude, I don't like social media. I, I, I like it in a sense that you I, see it as a necessary evil. Yes. I, I've met some amazing people and that's the part I like about it. But like we started doing these videos for fun. We were, we were essentially two kids, you know, and we were like, oh, let's film a hunt. It'd be fun. And we just kind of were just having fun with it and it became something we didn't expect it to be. If I'm not mistaken, Jake, I think yours started the exact same way. It did. And I'm, <laughs> I'm leaning on the side of Lee here. I'll let you continue your story, but... I, for me, it's a, it's a constant thing going through my head of if I actually need it or not. Like yeah. I'm, if it was up to me, I would delete it and I would go about hunting the way that I love to do. That's where, and that's it, the direction I'm headed here. I, I feel the, <laughs> I'm telling you, I, it's just a, it's a peace thing. And I've, yes, I've gained a ton of friends from it. I mean, we're all sitting at this table, which yeah. is amazing. Because of it. Because of it. Yeah. But I can tell you on the flip side, it's like, well, my, my core group of people that I love being around is so big because of it now yeah. that I have everybody I feel like I need at this point. Yeah. I'm fully supported. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, well, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know the answer yet, but I definitely am leaning towards what you're thinking. I'm kind of in that place too, where I don't know the answer either. And like, I'm telling you, and this is the God honest truth. I could have hunted this deer and not posted a single picture of him, and, and, and not done a video, not filmed nothing of it. Like we started out hunting. It has always brought about my faith and stuff like that. And so like, it's always, I guess it started out between me, the deer and God. And that was all that, that it was. It, it went to this place really unintentionally where we're now broadcasting these videos and I, I know there's a greater sense of purpose in, in what we're all doing here with social media. But at the same time, like I'm in this sort of similar place that you're talking about where we don't know the answer yet. Like I honestly, I don't care to post pictures. I, I like people will probably listen to that and be like, yeah, right. It's like, dude, I don't, I, I, I started doing this because I loved hunting, hunting deer and I love the game and trying to, you know, essentially have access or have a, an opportunity at a deer that are seemingly untouchable. And I love that chess match. And that's why I love doing it. I don't, I don't love it because of the pictures and the, the, the social media side. Like I could literally just delete all of my social media tomorrow and it would not bother me. Well, respectfully speaking, and this is where, this is where I'll be that outside perspective that both of you need to understand. If either of you delete your social media, I don't know where you live, but I'll, but I, I know where you I know where you hunt so I will find you and I'll just I'll whoop your ass. <laughs> I, like that that's all there is to it because what you guys and I think you guys understand this but I'm still going to harp on this. I personally just this year have gotten four guy helped four guys get their first bows. And you know what I did? I said, "Hey, seek one and Jake Bush if they're on a podcast, listen to them. If they've got videos on YouTube, watch every single one of them. That is how you should hunt. That is um, the mindset you need to have. And that is how you show respect as a hunter. And so 
you guys aren't allowed to delete social media. Don't don't yeah. even don't even think about and it. And see, like I I understand that side of it too. Like kind of the necessary evil. Like I I get that. Like you and I, like all of us here, to a sense, have a responsibility now where it's like we can really broadcast powerful messages and and try and you know do things the right way to the best of our ability and hopefully inspire people to do the same. You know, because if they're not watching, they're going to be getting their content from someone. Mm-hmm. And it's like, would would they rather, would you rather them be getting it from someone that you believe is doing it the right way? Or would you rather them have it, be getting it from someone who's not calling anyone out specifically, but slow motion, you know, chopping turkeys heads off with, you know, you my, get what I'm saying? My brother yeah. and I just had this conversation because yeah, he like, heard you talk about that on a right. different podcast. and Where there's no respect for the animal at all. Yep. And, and And that's where I'm like... You know, I, I get that uh, there is, a, you know, a, a, a deeper sense of like, you know, more, I guess more of a um, calling or just like more purpose, I the, guess, to, it, to social it's media. Bigger, it's bigger, you guys in your platforms and what you've done and what you've been able to do. It is, not, even though you guys are strictly chasing these deer, what you both do now is far bigger, far bigger than just you and the deer now. Yeah. And people see it, new hunters getting into it, see it to your, you know, exactly what you just said. They're going to get their content somewhere. It might as well be from someone that has the utmost respect for the woods, other hunters and the animal itself. But I could easily just go dark. (laughs) I I could, man. I'm so serious. I could just go dark and just, you know, We'll get, we'll get you and Jake little cabins in the woods next to each other. <laughs> we'll have the we'll have the bloodhounds and the old wooden rocking chairs. There we go. And and you guys will just disappear into the into the abyss. Yeah. And I'll say too, like, you know, the, the reason that we have the style of hunting that we do is because I just I grew up in Atlanta. It's where I was born. I didn't choose to be born there. I just I just was there. I didn't grow up in a hunting family. I had to figure things out on my own. It's like we realized there was deer around. We started door knocking got into bow hunting, made tons and tons and tons of mistakes. And, you know, that was just kind of like we were dealing with the cards we were dealt and we just have maximized those opportunities. And we have tried to show people that, hey, you can do this too. Obviously not to the level that we're doing it, but, you know, whether it's 120 inch deer, 150, who cares if it's something that gets you excited and, and like, any anybody there were several people hunting this deer that's in front of us right now this 215 there were several there was at least 10 guys that i know but anyone could have gone in that area knocked on the door gotten a yes and all of a sudden they're hunting that deer um so like we we just wanted to show like the opportunity that that people can have if they want to put in the effort to door knock and that kind of stuff and you know give them opportunities that's not readily available to someone who grew up in a suburb you know so like if i had grown up not in Atlanta, or if, if you were born in Atlanta and I was we'd born where you were yeah, born, we'd be flip flop. Yep. It's yep. the same mindset. It's the same drive, the same passion. It's just literally flip flop to where I happen to be born where I was born, stumbled into what we stumbled into. You were born where you were born, stumbled into what you stumbled into. And it's just like, you know, things that we didn't necessarily have full control of. Um, but it's just like, the passion is the same. Yeah. And that's okay. I mean, like you said, you're, you're showing people the opportunities that are out there, whether it be 
you know, like me with the public. Hey guys, if you are an introvert and you don't want to go knock on doors <laughs> and you want to go hunt public because you can get away from people, yeah. go this route. But if you can talk to people and you can, you don't want to do this, you can go this route. Or if you want to have a farm, you know, AJ, go yeah. find a farm, yeah. right? And so I think the biggest thing that, that we've done is shown that opportunity to a variety of different people. And I mean, honestly, probably I know that you've inspired thousands of people, including myself. So, you know, I don't necessarily want to go knock on a bunch of doors, but I do want to chase big deer. When I went to Kansas, like not doing the suburban thing is such a treat now. Like I will probably, cont- and ha- I have been doing more. We we did public land, Big Woods, Pennsylvania last year, doing deer drives with a bunch of guys. It was fun. We killed a good deer. Um, I've done Kansas, you know, the last two years bounce around on just random pieces of public and some private, uh, that we're getting permission on and stuff. Getting away from the city. Is so nice. <laughs> Dude, it's so <laughs> nice. <clears throat> and like, I look forward to those trips almost more than just the drama of people and all the s- stuff that comes with the city, you know, style of hunting. And I, you know, I've always wanted to try and be an advocate for it all. Not, not, you know, basically saying this is the way we hunt and this is it and this is our what we advocate it's like we no like you know we want to experience it all and and be an advocate for it all yeah uh, there's certain styles you know that we would not advocate obviously like poaching or doing anything illegal or not and not ethical but um you know we want to like basically represent hunters and basically say like it doesn't matter what style go enjoy it you know, like we want to dabble in the public. We want to dabble on the rural. Drew's getting out west and doing a bunch of the elk and antelope and stuff, and he's having success doing that. And it's like, but we also know that our core, core bread and audience, butter yeah. is the suburban thing. It's just what intrigues people so now, much. You brought me on to make sure that I keep you level headed and, and give you crap when I need to. I, bring the, it on. This suburban hunter goes out to Kansas away from the city and still hunts a structure. This man finds the only structure on a property. The windmill? Right? Dude, the that windmill? That was Kansas, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was a killer setup. I had a... I had a. <laughs> so he's still finding buildings and stuff like that to hide in. Use... That's another point, too. Use anything in their element that you can use to your advantage. In that case, it was a windmill, and it was like there was deer coming to waters, 100, 100 degrees, no rain. They were pounding water. It's like, I looked at that windmill. I was like, man, there's a lot of movement and noise up there and they don't pay attention to it. I'll bet you we can get in a windmill and they wouldn't care. <laughs> and they did not care. I had 150 inch deer. This is on public land. I had 150 inch deer come in. And if it weren't for two trucks that drove the road, that hung him up, he'd have gotten to me in daylight and I would have killed him. I'm kind of surprised, Jake, that you haven't, I, I've seen some of the, the ridges and caves and hollowed out trees that you found. I'm surprised you haven't killed something out of there. Just hunkered down. It's only a matter of time. And, and, and like, <laughs> yeah, it's you've, only a matter of time. You've got this giant, like, 150 year old tree just hollowed out at the base, and Jake's just tucked up in the there. cave. The cave bedding in Illinois is one that dude. I've that was wild. Seeing yep. seeing you you talk about that on your social media and what was that? So it was like a 50 or 60 foot deep cave, like yeah. a, like an actual cave. And big bucks were bedded inside no of that way. cave. And they only had one exit. I mean, it was a five-foot-wide exit. And they would go no in. You could way. see the beds. You could see the tracks. You were pulling out hair on social yeah, media. hair and beds and everything. And I was like, man, I could 
walk up in here. Block the cave and, off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my, like, hey, then it gets that's real western. Crazy. Or, or take a longbow in there and you're like laying in the cave, like yeah. caveman style, and they Just come waiting. up to the entrance. <laughs> yeah, Dude. that's crazy. But the thing that you mentioned, like, that AJ mentioned there about the structure thing, one thing that I think that you do very well is you don't have any preconceived notions from what I've seen on what deer are going to do. And that makes you a good hunter anywhere you go. Like a guy that grew up hunting the hills like me, for example, when I get around structures, immediately I tell myself that's bad. Like structures equal bad because it equals human. Big bucks don't like humans. But the way that you look at it because of the way you've grown up hunting is you're like, man, a big deer could live in a freaking playground. Like they can be anywhere. And I think that you take that approach out of state and I, you have success everywhere you go. And so that's just something to keep in mind here on the back end. I know we haven't talked about a lot about tactics or about, you know, specific styles, but the thing that I preach a lot anymore is being open-minded as a hunter. And I think that that's something that you do extremely well. Like, I mean, there's no way I sit on that windmill. There's no, there's (laughs) no way, but I'm sitting here listening to it. I'm like, man, you know what? That actually, why not? Right. It made it kind of like a light bulb went off when we had that idea, but, and it, it was sketchy. Like it was. I had to, I was using a uh, saddle and I had to use one of the ropes to tie the blades off because like you can, you can, uh, there's like a switch you can do to tie the, to stop the blades, but it, it, it wasn't stopping it fully. So I had to tie the blades off and to where it wouldn't spin in the wind. That was a little dangerous to be honest with you. But then, you know, obviously had the other, the other rope to like tie me to the windmill. Yeah. We, are, we are advocating to be as safe as possible. Correct. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I, uh, being open-minded is like a huge piece of the, a piece of the equation to, you know, it doesn't matter what your situation is. You want to have as little presence as possible and whether that's, you know, a windmill that they're used to or, you know, uh, some sort of structure to some, I hunted out of a back in Kansas, I guess it was like an old grain bin, a grain silo or Mm -hmm. something hunted out of it and had a, you know, 140 inch deer come in front of us. Um, that's probably what I've picked up from the suburban side is like looking for certain structures that they don't necessarily pay attention to. Or that they're used to. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just like, I mean, it, in a sense, it's like all these people that are, that have these giant round bale hay bales. And then all of a sudden they put a round bale hay bale blind blind, and it works perfectly. Because they're just used to it. It it's been there for years. I've got a suburban one for y'all. The, and this was for this deer. So talk about using structures they're used to. We we had one spot for this deer. This dude stole a homeless man's tent. <laughs> no, we did think about it though. We I we thought about it. For real. Uh th- th- there was one spot where it's like there's trees in there, there were cottonwoods, uh, but there's what what's the um You'll have a lot of this here. It's it it stays green throughout the year. It's real brittle. Has those green leaves on it, and it has the red berries on it. They they crush it. Oh, um, not not briar bushes, but um, I'd have to look up what it is. Yeah. They freaking love it. Yeah, and and you can always see it too because you see the red berries. That's oh, what yeah. you see first, and then if you actually, as a hunter, if you start to actually look at it the like lower half will be completely stripped of leaves yes because they love it yep. and i don't know what that's called i found out they were eating it because we had that in tennessee i was cutting a shooting lane every time i'd cut a branch these deer would come right in and they just pound that that branch really yeah and so it's a it's a great late season forage i think 
are you looking up what it is? Yeah. yeah. So it has a lot of this just dense, brushy stuff in it. And we're like, we, we can't hunt out of a tree. We're going to have to do a ground blind. Well, there's homeless camps in here. And I'm like, I don't want to put a, a, a ground blind in here because we're going to walk in one morning and there's going to be a dude sleeping in this tent. Yeah. Or someone's going to take it. Yeah. So we were like, that's out the window. So I was like, okay, well, let's use the resources we have around us. We made a ground blind out of debris. Tra- just a trash pile. Are you kidding me? So I'll, I'll I'll tell you the ingredients that went into this oh, ground blind. We, we filmed we it. Go. We did a time lapse and filmed it. It's going to be hilarious. I used I think three tires. I used two mattresses, maybe two or three pillows. There was a oh, so uh, he didn't take their tent. He stole their beds. No, this was this was abandoned <laughs> oh, abandoned oh, camps. Sure. Swear, <laughs> we used a Home, hey homeless people are nomadic people. Okay? They're extremely resourceful for sure. <laughs> uh, we used a ripped in half trampoline, uh, like the black uh, trampoline, you know, that you springs that you jump mm-hmm. on. We used that as the backdrop to break up our silhouettes, and then just brushed this thing in and oh and also like maybe six or seven five gallon buckets that i'm you know i guess they were going to the restroom in or something and just made a trash pile brushed in and it was the sneakiest little ground blind yeah and like i promise you those deer would have never had a clue or paid any attention to it but i I figured out your bush it is either red chokeberry okay winterberry or honeysuckle and i think it's honeysuckle uh, yeah, I'd ha- I'll have to look up what it is and, yeah. and figure it out. It's one but of those deer three. love it. Yeah, the deer love it. Yeah. But um, I I I appreciate y'all getting together. Uh, Jake, I'm a fan of your videos. Like yeah, it was in- instant connection when I watched your your channel on the videos. I saw just like the passion at, for the game of chasing one deer, and like in- instantly saw that passion. And that, I think I sent you a message on Instagram. Yeah. Again, that's more the beautiful side of social media is we be, we've become friends since, and it's like instantly was like, yeah, I li- I like this guy. I've seen the way he hunts, the passion, the the drive there. I'm like, I connect with that, and so I sent you a message like, hey, I just watched this video, and I was like, I forgot what I said, but I was just like, you know, am- like amazing job, whatever it was. Yeah. but yeah, I appreciate that, and that's the one thing that's drawn me to you too is just the the passion and the emotion that goes into some of these hunts is just unbelievable. Yeah. What plug your channel, your YouTube channel? Yep. So YouTube, I do have some hunts on there. Uh, it's just Jake Bush. We do a lot of stuff for the grit now. Yeah. Um, and then on Instagram, just Jake Bush. Okay. You just can look me up. I would recommend checking out Jake's videos. They're like I said, a lot of passion. I appreciate pretty, that. Pretty awesome stuff. And then <laughs> I'm not going to try what? to pronounce your last name. Come again. on, you already, I we can't. already went over it. <laughs> Take out the I and the C. Not that you know where those are at in yeah. the name anyways. Guide me one more time. Kazmer's at. Kazm- that's not as easy as it's... As that's, it. It's like Smith or John. I'm not good with words, though. Kazmerzak. There you go. See? You good. got it. Kazmerzak. Yeah. What's your Instagram? It's, it's also much easier to just look up my Instagram. Coffee it's Viking. at the underscore <laughs> Coffee Viking. That's a little easier to spell. Yeah. And then I, partially because of you two just recently there's only two videos up but st- got into uh youtube and so that is the coffee viking and then it's 3003 yeah so 3003 well i appreciate you guys sitting down uh 
AJ, like, again, your positivity is like extremely gravitating. You're shining a light. Please keep doing that. That's hey, that's that's what I hope for, man. You know, those those of you still listening to this, you know, if there's one thing that I think all of us can take away from this is hunt your way, hunt ethically, hunt legally, and do it for the right reasons. Yeah. Aside from that, ignore the noise. And how many miles did you put in that one year walking? Last year was twelve hundred. Yeah, that's 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 wicked. (laughs) Yeah. That's wicked. Put in the effort. Yeah. I will, uh, we're wrapping this one up. I will have to do a different podcast on more of the details of chasing this deer because I told you guys even yesterday we had a gun pulled on us. And, and dude, like, to, to those of you listening, we got it. We were supposed to meet at 9 a.m. today and immediately, I knew it was going to happen. Immediately, Lee shoots us, shoots us a text and says, Hey, been dealing with some stuff this morning. I'll see you guys in a little bit. Dude, it's, yeah. <clears throat> the what it was it was dangerous like for real our personal i was carrying it carrying a gun every place that i had permission to be at and personal safety was was an issue on <clears throat> this deer and so you know there's there's so many levels of like is it healthy to do this maybe it's <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah it, it's maybe not you know but <clears throat> personal safety was definitely a risk i'll, I'll have to do a different podcast to kind of get into the stories because like we dealt with the shots fired deal in a park we broke up a pit bull fight this guy showed up with a handgun crazy stuff found a dead body in a car stuff just like i'll have to tune into that's that crazy yeah it, it's <laughs> a lot dude it's a lot so anyways we'll wrap it up again thank you guys yeah thanks Lee. keep appreciate doing what it, you're man. doing i well, really appreciate you guys a lot we'll we we'll might have to plan a follow-up one once jake finishes yeah, I know. I, I I'm gonna be tuned in pretty heavily because I'm I'm now invested in that story. Yeah, I hope, man. hopefully we catch up with him. I want to see a trail cam picture of this yeah. thing before we take off cool. out of here. I can do that. But, all right, appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll wrap it up. Thanks, man.